It's nice to be with you, too, for this worship service, and our prayer is that it will bring you great encouragement for this coming week. Just before we open the Bible, let's ask a special blessing, shall we? Heavenly Father, today, as we open thy holy word, may it bring to us the strength that we need. Please, Lord, if we have come with a discouraged heart, may we go from this place encouraged, because we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. And now our subject is The Earth for the Blessed. Among his many promises is this one our Savior made, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Notice, the earth itself is promised to the meek, who are the blessed, for they are said to be blessed. And I can hear someone ask, do you mean that this earth and all its problems, its exploding population, threatened wars, diseases, economic and social frustrations, disappointments, its death is to be given to the blessed people? Well, the answer is right here in the words of Christ. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, that's Christ's promise, and it certainly will be fulfilled. There's nothing in this promise about the condition of the earth when the blessed receive it, but in other places in the Scripture, it's plainly stated that conditions will be changed. In the very beginning of the world, the earth was not as it is now. There was no sickness then, no death, no war. And we're on scriptural ground when we suggest that such things will be no more when Christ's kingdom of glory covers this earth. Why did Jesus come to this world? What was he here for? Here's our answer in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, what was lost in the beginning? Not only man, but man's inheritance. When sin entered Eden, it drove man out. He lost dominion over the earth, which God had given him in the beginning. The Holy Apostle Paul declares that the earth, along with the human race, waits for the day of redemption. That's Romans 8:22. On the cross, our Savior not only bore our sins, but he wore on his blessed brow a crown of thorns. Someday the thorns will be gone from the earth. Our Savior came to do a mighty work. His redemption is far greater than many people suppose. His atoning sacrifice vaster than our minds can conceive. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Someday there will be not only a redeemed race rejoicing in their blood-bought redemption, but a redeemed earth brought back to its Eden glory. No wonder the Apostle Paul tells us that through faith and patience we are to inherit it. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. He says that those who turn from Satan to God and receive forgiveness of sins will have an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, Acts 26, 18. And in Hebrews 9, 15, we read that this is an eternal inheritance. Now, in our first text, this wonderful inheritance, according to the very words of Christ himself, is for the meek. In a certain Sabbath school class in New York City, the lesson was upon this very verse in Matthew. The teacher asked which of the blessings the class would rather have. One little girl replied, I'd rather have the one pronounced upon the meek. When asked why, she replied, Oh, sir, if I live in such a way as to have that blessing, I'll have all the rest. And how true that is. Christ was the perfect pattern of meekness. He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 
1 Peter 2, 22 and 23. The meek person, then, is one who is like Christ. And this we cannot be unless we are born again and led by his Spirit. For we read in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Notice the promise does not say, blessed are the meek, for they do inherit the earth. It says they shall inherit the earth. This is what Jesus said. In the 37th Psalm, we read three times that the Lord's people shall inherit the earth, and three times that they shall inherit the land. Also, we read the words, their inheritance shall be forever, verse 18. We do not always see God's people inheriting the earth here now. Many of them have no inheritance in the earth today at all. While there are many blessings and promises in God's word for God's people now, this promise of the inheritance of the earth is for the future. This promise of Jesus does not apply to the present when the earth is occupied by both the wicked and the righteous. How wonderful it is to be a Christian here and now. Think of the gifts and blessings of God. His promises fulfilled right here on earth today. Sins forgiven in answer to prayer. Victory over the power and dominion of evil in our lives. But that isn't all. There's more to follow. There's more coming. The promises of Christ reach right on into the age to come, into eternity itself. It was Roland Hill, a famous preacher over a hundred years ago, who told the story of a rich man and a poor man in his congregation. The wealthy man desired to perform an act of benevolence, so he sent a sum of money to a friend to be given to a certain poor man as he thought best. The friend sent him just five pounds with a note which said, This is thine. Use it wisely. There's more to follow. After a while, he sent another five pounds and said, More to follow. Again and again, he sent money to the poor man, always with the cheering words, more to follow. And so it is with the wonderful promises of God. We're saved by grace through faith here and now, as we read in Ephesians 2.8. But there's more to follow. With God, there's always more to follow. Some people have the idea that at the end of the world, the earth itself will burn up. They base their idea on 2 Peter 3.10, which reads as follows. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. But notice, friends, this scripture does not say that the earth will be burned up. It says that the works which are therein shall be burned up. It says that the earth will melt the same as the elements. The elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also. There are over a hundred elements now that we know about. But it's the works, the works of men that are to be burned up, not the earth itself. That's what the scripture says clearly and plainly. And the works mentioned here are the works of the devil, which he, of course, does through evil men. The apostle John says that they are to be destroyed by our Lord, 1 John 3, 8. They are the ones that are to be burned up, fulfilling the prophecy of the Scripture. So sin and sinners will be removed from the earth in order to make way for the redeemed and the blessed who are to inherit the new earth. The next verse, 2 Peter 3.11, confirms this. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? You see, that brings it right down to us now. 
The way we live now will decide whether or not we'll be in that new earth promised. There are really three conditions of the earth brought to view in the scriptures. The first, the earth before the flood, as it was when God first created it. The earth in its early, pristine glory. Second, the earth since the flood. The earth we live in now, which is really the wreckage of the great world which God made. And third, the world after the fires of the day of God have purified it. You might call them three worlds, really. The first change was by water. The second will be by fervent heat. It is true that many scoffers today inquire as the day approaches, where is the promise of his coming? Second Peter 3, 4. Then the apostle says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. That's the flood of Noah. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Will that be the end of the earth as a planet? No. Listen to these words. Verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And this is in perfect harmony with the promise of Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The mighty Creator formed this earth to be inhabited. We read in Isaiah 45:18. His plan from the foundation of the world was that it should be the home of happy, holy, sinless, immortal people. But by man's disobedience, sin, rebellion, anarchy, and confusion have distressed the earth. Wars have devastated its surface. There are a million graveyards and more. Has this fulfilled the purpose of God in creation? No. He says that for his pleasure all things are and were created. Revelation 4:11. God has no pleasure in sin or even in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel 33:11. The divine promise is that sin will finally be blotted out. Sin and sinners will be no more. The time will come, according to the holy apostle on the Isle of Patmos, when every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Revelation 5.13. Then at last there will again be harmony in God's universe. The lost sheep will be brought back to the fold. This earth redeemed, will be our paradise home, and all because of the cross, all because of Jesus, who came to seek and save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. And here is our final appeal today. A radio friend, will you not receive Christ's blessing here and now, so that you will have his blessing there and then in that earth made new? A Welsh minister, beginning his sermon once, leaned over the pulpit and said with solemn air, I have a question to ask. I cannot answer it. You cannot answer it. If an angel from heaven were here this morning, he could not answer it. If Satan himself were here, he couldn't answer it. Every eye was fixed upon the speaker. Then proceeded, the question is this, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And when Christ comes, may we indeed be ready. When thou comest in thy kingdom, 
Jesus, Lord, remember me. Thus the penitent thief entreated Christ the Lord on Calvary. Never in vain, never in vain, faith inspires this wonderful strain. When thou comest in thy kingdom, Jesus, Lord, remember me. When thou comest in thy kingdom, sinful though my heart may be, like the penitent thief I pray thee, Jesus, Lord, remember me. Never in vain, never in vain, faith inspires this wonderful strain. When thou comest in thy kingdom, Jesus, Lord,